how are you, Chris? How are you doing? Where where are you right now? Like in in the states? I'm doing good. I'm in Brooklyn, Crown Heights. Um, chill day so far. Just picked up some laundry. Nice chill Sunday vibe. So can't complain. I guess like how was it? growing up in the united states like i'm always curious like because growing up in the caribbean like one thing is we were always in awe of like everything that americans had and as like a caribbean american essentially i'm curious like what your experience was growing up in like new jersey which i guess like is new jersey even like a very diverse community um like what was the experience like living there Oh, yeah, definitely. So I grew up in Teaneck, um, and Teaneck is mad diverse, mad diverse, probably one of the most diverse, uh, you know, places in the country. Like to to lay the scene, I guess, for Teaneck, it's like at one point we had a Muslim mayor with a town that was about 40 something percent Jewish, you know, and, and so like, you know, where else in the world could that exist? Um, in like the public school system. So a lot of the um, Jewish people in town, they went to the yeshivas. Um, and so the public school system uh, didn't have, you know, that much Jewish students, but, you know, everyone else went went to the public schools. And so it ended up being about like 40 percent black, about 30 percent Hispanic, a uh, ton of Filipino people, too, growing up. And, you know, of course, white people, too. So it was it was really a, a mis mismatch of everybody, like a, a melting pot. Uh, Teaneck is just a crazy place. You don't even you take it for granted. I definitely did. Um you know, until I went to like other places to where, you know, in Teaneck race is just, you know, less of a conversation point. Your friends look like everybody, you know, um, I definitely think, you know, it's, it's a huge difference. Like the the people that I grew up with is, is definitely, you know, you, you take it for granted for sure. Not like people just don't think about uh, race as much. Or if you do think about race, it's because, you know, like, you know, everybody. So you don't have these preconceived notions. Um, and it's, it's diversity too, even, you know, within races, like black people are Caribbean, you know, there's Jamaicans, Haitians, like, uh, there's Dominicans, uh, Puerto Ricans, you know, like, uh, people from my school, Filipino people, uh, Colombian people, like people are from everywhere. Uh, so definitely, definitely a huge melting pot. Um, and really just glad I got to grow up in Teaneck. Sweet. I'm curious, like, what, like, what is it? No, because I've never been to New Jersey. And when I thought of it, it was like very much this snooky place, you know, with like mm-hmm. these like weird reality TV shows. I'm curious, is like, is that kind of like, do those shows, I think, like represent what it's like to live in New Jersey? Or are you just like, it's completely skewed, not like that nah, at all? <laughs> nah, 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 completely skewed. It's not like that. So Jersey, Jersey, there's North Jersey. And then there's South Jersey, right? Some people that live in towards the middle of the state, they try to claim Central Jersey. Central Jersey is not really a thing, but there's, so there's North Jersey, pretty much if you're above Newark, you know, you're in, you're in North Jersey. And if you're below Newark, you're in South Jersey, uh, like Snooky, all that. They're not even from New York. They're like New York. They're, uh, I mean, they're not even from New Jersey. I mean, um, and so I, uh, they're not even from Jersey. They're from New York. So like their accents, everything about them is not really, it's not indicative of like, it's not even South Jersey for real. They're, they're New Yorkers just making a TV show, you know? Uh, there's definitely like, you know, that kind of Guido culture though, like down by the shore, like a lot of Italians down there um, that, that kind of behave in that way. But that's more of a down the shore thing, like North Jersey. And again, it even depends what town you're in, you know, but like, like I'm from Bergen County. So it's, it's a pretty affluent County. Um, but like all the towns are different. So like Hackensack, Hackensack, Teaneck, 
Englewood, you know, very diverse towns. Um, whereas like a town like Tenafly, for example, is mostly white and Asian. Um, there's like, you know, like a lot of like mostly white towns in the area too. It, it really just depends like, like even what town you're in, not even county, you know? So it all depends where you're at, but not Jersey, Jersey. I think like you're just exposed to a lot. It's the highest density, um, highest density housing area in the country, I think, uh, like Northern New Jersey. Um, and so like, uh, it's, it's insane. It's like you, you can meet anybody, you know, from kind of any walk of life. So it's, it's a dope place to grow up. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not like the most busy, you know, it's not the city. It's not a lot going on all the time, but it's just like a, it's a great place to grow up. You know, if you were going to raise a family, great place to raise a family kind of place. I guess like what like drove your parents to moving to Teaneck in the first place? Yeah, no, they, they, they were just thinking, you know, family planning. So it was like uh, at the time they were looking at apartments in, in the city in Brooklyn. Um, and then they were looking at, you know, stuff in New Jersey. Then they just made the call that they thought like the suburbs, New Jersey was just going to be a better home environment, better family environment than uh, growing up in Brooklyn. But you got to think too, Brooklyn like then wasn't even Brooklyn now. And so like, I'm sure now it's like, like damn, we should have bought that brownstone in, in Brooklyn, you know, because like there's a couple mil right there, you know, that could have been, that they could have been up. But yeah, I mean, now at the time they were just looking like, where, where's the better school systems? You know, where's it more calm, more peaceful? Like where could children be raised better? And, and they made the call that Jersey was a, the better spot. Interesting. I guess like is being close to New York, does that like affect like kind of the things that you do when you're like living in this area? Because I always assume like people are on the subway and they're like going in the city and you're, you know, enjoying New York City, which is honestly a really fun place with like mm -hmm. so much busing culture and art, just like people being uniquely themselves. Um, I'm sure like that must yeah. definitely influence just like your whole perspective being that close to it. Yeah, I think it's interesting because, I mean, you got to think. So the bus will stop right by the corner by my house and I could be in Port Authority and then be anywhere in the city from Port Authority, you know. But it's uh, it's interesting. It's like when you're growing up in Teaneck like, or any town, I guess, you know, you grow up there. It's like all your friends are in Teaneck, like or all your friends are in the town you grow up in. So it's not it's not like you'd have a reason to be running to the city all the time. So, of course, you would go like sometimes every once in a while and then it feels feels cool. But like the city really was right there. A lot of people have family in the city, that kind of thing. So you might go visit family, but not for the most part. I mean, you know, living, living in, living in Teaneck. So you're going to hang out with people at the park there. You're not going to go all the way to the city for that. Um, and I think like to, to your point, as far as people being like uniquely themselves, I think um, definitely the town I grew up in, like it really facilitates that because like all types of different people. Um, and so that just lends to like everybody kind of being accepting of everybody. Like we had all types of people in my high school is incredibly inclusive, you know? And so I think, um, I think just being around so many different types of people, uh, definitely, definitely led to that feeling, but I don't, I don't know if the proximity to the city and, and the proximity to the city probably, you know, helped bring people to that area in general anyway, help make it the town that it is. Of course, but you know, I don't like we don't really. We, it wasn't like we were taking a bus all the time, and 
I feel you. I feel you. I guess then, like, what got you into, like, wanting to be an engineer and then move all the way to Michigan? Word, yeah. So I took uh, engineering class my senior year of college. or sorry, of high school, senior year of high school. And it was just a, it was a dope class. It was all project-based. Oh, no, no, no. I got it mixed up. Junior year, I took this class. Junior year of high school. And it was project-based. So we were doing, you know, we were doing... uh like making a camera, a pinhole camera from scratch. So just using like boxes um, and then just doing, you know, film exposure. So really basic, basic camera. Like we did, a, they gave each of us these digital cameras, these cheap digital cameras. We were doing drop tests where you got to drop it from like 50 feet. It has to ascend slowly and take three pictures on the way down. So we're like programming a servo motor, you know, like, um, we're, we're sitting there, you know, putting circuits together, uh, making making parachutes, making like a encasing for the camera, all project based. And it, it was really fun, really interesting. Uh, it wasn't a whole lot of papers or anything in that class. And I kind of just liked, you know, getting my hands on something. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is fun. Engineering seems cool. Came to find out later that that's not what engineering in college is. But um, but that's that's the kind of why engineering. And then, you know, from there. Uh, why Michigan? Like why go to Michigan? So I, I just applied to a whole bunch of whole bunch of Big Ten schools really. And then also applied to like Penn, Stanford, and like Northeastern or something like that. And then uh didn't get into Stanford. That probably would have been my top choice. But really my criteria was just I want to go to a school that, you know, has a good reputation, uh, big alumni network and and has like, you know, school pride, a lot of fun like like that kind of thing. And so really that's Big Ten schools, you know, like all of them have pretty good academic reputations as well as being pretty good at sports, like in having having a, you know, good, good, just like school pride, basically. So then Michigan ended up being the best school I got into, but uh, they, they didn't give me the same, you know, package that Rutgers had given me at first or North Northeastern. So from Northeastern to Rutgers, I got uh, like full tuition. And so and Rutgers, Rutgers has like the the Jersey promise where, you know, if you're in the top whatever percent of your high school, they'll they'll give you that full tuition. So um, at that point, it's looking like, all right, I'll just go to Rutgers then because um, I, I wasn't really feeling Northeastern. And then then uh, I went out, I got invited out like for just a weekend to see the school at Michigan. And during that, so they paid for my flight to come visit. And just the people, the people I was on the, the visit with, like, they were all awesome, you know, still talk to some of those people just from like a random school visit, uh, which is crazy to me, like, uh, you know, senior year in high school, just flying out to visit this school. And now, um, now I still see some of these people. But uh, yeah, it was just an incredible, like incredible campus, like, I really love the vibe. And then I met Daryl, who runs the MSTEM program. And then Daryl was like, so you coming to Michigan? Uh, like he had invited me to his office during that weekend. And I'm like, listen, I want to come to Michigan, like, but the money's, you know, it doesn't make sense. And he's like, is it just a money thing? You know, you would come here otherwise. I'm like, yeah. Two weeks later, you know, I get the whole, the letter like back that, uh, that I'm getting the same scholarship that I got at Rutgers, you know, so like for, for Michigan. So he hooked it up at that point, the money was the same. And so I wouldn't have to go into debt to go to school. And so I was like, oh yeah, it's a no brainer. Go to Michigan, go blue. Bags. 
It's crazy. Honestly, I was so grateful. Like during my time at Michigan, when they changed the policy and they were like making it so much easier for people to go there for free, I was like, (laughs) this is lit. This is lit. Like this whole concept of a refund check was like so new to me. I was like, wait, you guys are getting paid to be here? I was like, shook. I was like, what? what i'm like nobody told me that this was a thing i was like oh my god and then i was like i need to figure out how to get in this i need we need to cultivate a plan (laughs) yeah but i'm curious like you said like engineering wasn't what you expected like yo (laughs) it was trash in college like like so you get in there you get in there first semester engine 100 right right off the bat so that's a project-based class and it's kind of some of the same you know tenants like there's of course some classroom learning lecture style stuff in there too but even that was starting to throw me off because it's like just throw you in the deep end you know so like the class i took was on um it was we had to create these kind of solar solar trackers basically it was like we had to make a solar panel face the direction of a solar lamp that was like mimicking the sun. So it's something that could like track the sun the whole day, basically. And so like it, like all aspects of it. So building, you know, building the actual structure, quote, uh, like coding again, like using our, um, like Arduino and server uh, servos. And so then, um, servo motors. And then like, we're, you know, we're sitting there in, uh, what what is it called um help me out here uh soldering or soldering mm, wires and yeah. stuff like like we're using the diodes to try to uh track the sun so that stuff was all really fun like in lab you know just figuring it out and like the class was cool i literally yet let yesterday night i was at like this rooftop in the city with someone i met in that class like I'm like dead. so you know it, it's dope it, it's definitely dope from that perspective but like nah but you know and on the test in that class, they're having us like, if there was two suns and one sun was at this location and one's at this location, like what's the exact solar capacity of, I'm sitting there like, yo, what? <laughs> like, what are they talking about? And then everything is just so theoretical, uh, you know, a bunch of prereqs that you don't really actually use too much. At least I was in industrial engineering, so I, I didn't have to use them a whole bunch going through and like, classes were just hard, you know, and really after engine 100, there was nothing that was like hands on project based, everything was kind of just like, here's this PowerPoint. Now do this hard ass test, (laughs) you know, like, that's, that's all it was. That is hilarious. Now for a message from our sponsors. Thank you for supporting this podcast. If you are enjoying this episode, share it with a friend and leave us a review. It 100% helps us grow this podcast and get our message out there to help and inspire others. Have thoughts or opinions you want to share? Join the conversation on Anchor or on Spotify. I love to hear from you all and I can't thank you enough for your support. With that, let's get back to the good stuff. Yeah, I felt like for Eeks especially, everything was like math 
and the more I was like, oh, like this is the last bit of math. They're like, oh no, it, there's more. It, it just keeps coming. I'm curious, like, did you know from the get-go that you wanted to do IOE or like, was it like a, a journey of figuring out which of the different engineerings was like the most interesting after you kind of get that smack in the face with like all the math and theoretical stuff that you're kind of like, wait, what, what is this? Nah, it was, it was, uh, I figured it out during MSTEM, but really what it was, was I get to MSTEM, we're taking these classes during MSTEM. So like Calc 1, uh, we're doing like kind of, um, a comp sci primer too, like with like MATLAB and, and C++. So I'm, you know, I'm taking these and I'm like, mm, I'm like, you know, low key, I should have done CS. If I would have went back, I should have done CS. But really I was looking, I'm like, all right, if I'm not going to do CS, because at the time I'm like, all right, this would be crazy, you know? And I'm looking at these other classes. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a whole lot of math and physics. I'm looking at IOE, like, okay, IOEasy, like that's what people were calling it. I'm I'm rocking with that, you know. I I could I could do that, and then um then on top of that, one of the math instructors during um the MSTEM program, he had he was studying, he's getting his PhD in industrial engineering, and like his research was focused on disparities in in the racial justice system, and so I was like, what? How are you using IOE for that? And then he's breaking it down for us. How he's using different different modeling um different modeling practices and you know just different like queuing things for like racial justice uh systems especially in like the criminal justice system so i'm looking i'm like okay this is this is kind of dope that you can do that like with with an ioe degree um but yeah so it was it was one just he was mad cool he was showing that there's a lot of different applications than i might have thought you know just factories and stuff and then two this, you know, I was like, all right, if it's going to be the easiest engineering, I'm, I'm rocking with it. <laughs> that is hilarious. I guess, like, what what do you guys learn, essentially, in IOE? Because I never even got to take one of those classes. I don't really know. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> no, nah, we, what do we do? We did, like, queuing systems. Uh, we did some, like, linear algebra type stuff. Ergonomics. Um, decision theory uh i mean what else did we study statistics there's a few statistics classes shoot what did i study i guess like have you used any of these like concepts in oh. any of your internships or like when you worked at accenture after graduation not at accenture definitely not at accenture um I'd say the only internship where I use like any skills that I learned in or, or, you know, anything that I learned from classes was at General Mills. I was in a manufacturing environment. And so, you know, ergonomics um, was actually kind of the root of one of my my projects. Um, and so they had a lot of injuries getting caused by people that were reaching for heavy boxes on high shelves. And so it just seems like common sense more than, you know, a whole ergonomics class, but lower to ivy things on the shelves you know people get less injured but um definitely like yeah ergonomics principles um just figuring out like how to optimize workstations uh so there's people doing like a lot of repetitive motions um as far as like weighing out different ingredients for um some of the packaged goods we were making so it was like it, it was some some ergonomic stuff uh not too much besides that like terms maybe you know first in first out um like, but nothing, 
nothing that wasn't really common sense, to be honest. Like General Mills, though, is the only time I use like even the same, like at least terminology as stuff I was learning in class. Uh, at, at AWS, I was doing tech sales. So no, nothing, nothing from the classes. And then at Accenture, I was, you know, doing bullshit PowerPoint slides. So again, nothing from <laughs> nothing from class. I guess like of all the classes like I, that you took at Michigan, was there any that like you were like highly recommend would always take this class? For sure. I'm taking Jazz 450, you know, that's meditation. If there's any Michigan students that just, ha- or, you know, that, that happen to see this, I will, I, I need them to take Jazz 450. Um, yeah, Martha, Martha Travers, amazing teacher. I hope she's still teaching that class. But uh, it was just, it was just, you go up there, you're meditating for two hours. She might have you just walk around aimlessly. Like she'd be like, yeah, go, go walk around North Campus with no destination in mind. She just like, it was, it was insane. She'd let you fall asleep in class. She'd be like, if you're tired, you need to listen to your body. It was just the most calming, just amazing class. She had us read, um, uh, I got it here somewhere. Peace with every step by yep. Nat Khan. Yeah, I feel you. No, Martha is a G. She don't even I got him, a G. I got him right here below the, the mic. Peace is every step and peace is every breath. Yeah, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And then Marcus Collins is goaded. So he did a social media marketing class. Uh, he's down in Ross. That's the best teacher I ever had in my life, though, hands down. Um, it's just if, if for nothing else, if for no other reason but to just see his teaching style and see the way that he interacts with the room, it makes it worth the class. This man will sit there in a 60-person lecture and call out every person by name, but not in a malicious way. Like you've, everyone's kind of had teachers that'll call you out when you look like you're not paying attention. He's the type of teacher that'll like call you out when he knows you're paying attention, but keeping everyone in the room involved. So everyone's locked in, cause, especially because they know he could call out and Two, he just makes it almost like a conversation. You're in a 60-person lecture, but you're having a one-on-one conversation through a topic like with him. He's, you know, not not text heavy on any of his slides. He's pretty much just showing pictures up there and then just teaching you, you know? And it's it's like his teaching style was insane. Like the way he could capture audience was insane. Um, and then two, the content was just cool. He was doing it. So it was a social media marketing class, but it was really just uh it was more of just I wouldn't even say that social media was the main focus of it. It was just um, it was just a marketing class and like how can you capture people's attention. Uh, some of the books he had us read were awesome. You know, start with why, connected. Um, just a ton of great books in there too that he had us read, and he's just yeah, really really cool guy. Sweet, yeah, no, that I feel like there are some great professors in Ross, but. In engineering is tough. You gotta, you really gotta check rate my prof. <laughs> yeah. Dodge, dodge them bullets. Um, no, Martha, Martha, uh, hands down, Jazz four fifty. If you can take it, take it. That's all I'm gonna say. Like, yep. you should not miss that at all. Did you know there was a yoga one too? There was like a yoga class you could have take. Amazing. Uh, it was like the best way to start the day. So good. And it was also in like the same room. So it was just like awesome. Uh, I wish I would have taken that one. Oh, dance. Take the dance classes too. The dance 100 ones. <laughs> Those are fun. 
Bro. But yeah, all them weeder classes in the beginning, I swear, are just set up to make your life absolutely miserable and make you question every decision you've ever made. Um, tip is just Washina. Washina was the key, the the key, the hack that I feel like if you weren't taking your classes at Washina, what were you really doing? <laughs> Yo, yeah, I, I didn't learn the hack until Calc 3. But yeah, after Calc 3, I took Calc 3 there, Physics 2. Like, I should have took linear there. I ended up taking linear in Michigan. But, yeah, Washington, if I would have did college over. The that's secret. Like one of the, yeah, one of the one of the few things I would have definitely changed was I would have taken Calc 1, 2, 3, linear. I would have taken every prereq. All of them. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> everything, everything except maybe Physics 1, I would have just taken that Washington. Because Physics 1 with Dr. Mike. That one was solid. That one was very solid. That was solid. solid. I feel like after our year, though, they like caught on and then it was less solid. But it was, up, yeah, it up, became... till, up till <laughs> then, it was rocking. It was the, the keys you needed for success. Like Thanks. to me, college was literally the game of finesse. Like, how could you make it through with all your here in four years and get just get out? Just, just get up, just flow through it. Uh, but yep ridiculous <laughs> every time i would like talk about my degree i'm like yeah let's not go back to that okay we did it we're out now let's not go back there thanks <laughs> but COVID was a clutch because COVID made all classes be remote and it was like thank you oh thank and you. pass fail too it was a thank blessing you. um i guess like how was it after we graduated for you like working at accenture during COVID? garbage yeah absolutely hot trash um well so first graduate after graduation great summer amazing summer um you know being in ann arbor like being with all my friends every day floating down the river like with you and will and mike like it's just you know an amazing summer vibes vibes yeah, absolute vibes like all getting unemployment too just no cares in the world, like, you know, cap it off with that road trip that I took too. just absolutely phenomenal summer. Get back to Teaneck. You know, I'm, I'm, you could say excited to start at Accenture, get the laptop, you know, log in and then boom, they throw us all on this project that, you know, I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about the details on a podcast, but just know it was a, you know, terrible, terrible project. Um, you know, like literally the first time I'm seeing coworkers getting, you know, anxiety and panic attacks and stuff because of work, I started getting panic attacks because of work. And that was about, um, that started in September and then that was in December. I started getting those panic attacks, just, you know, absolutely crazy, crazy start, uh, to, to the career, I guess. But, um, yeah, it, and it was insane. I, I remember, I even had, uh, and I won't, you know, say who, who, but someone at Accenture, like, you know, I was disclosing to them, like, that I was, you know, starting to get anxiety and, and stuff from the project. And, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, that's real common. Just take some Xanax, you know? And and they were really thinking of it as, you know, great advice. They really thought they were giving me, you know, some groundbreaking advice. But I'm like, take Xanax. Like, what? Hell no. You know, I'm not, like, there's no way, you know? And so... Um, eventually I did get like a medical accommodation to get off of the project that I was on. And, you know, from there, then it just became some normal 
bad job stuff. Like just I was they would try to send me work till 1130 at night on my first project, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, so I'm getting overtime for this. Right. You know, and then then they're like, oh, no, usually analysts just want to help the team out. You know, I'm like, help the team out. I'm like, all my documentation says, you know, overtime at at the at the celebration day when we got the offers, you know, you said overtime. When we started, HR was telling us like in the first two week orientation, overtime. So I'm like, definitely gonna get some overtime. And then they, you know, they're talking about help the team out. I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna close my laptop at five, y'all. Have a have a good one though. <laughs> and so then I'm like, yeah, definitely and it definitely got a little dicey too, because you know, my manager, when I said I'm closing my laptop at five, she's like, Oh, we need to set up a call for expectations. So we hop on this expectations call. I'm sitting there like, oh, I'm so glad you set this up. I do want to lay out some expectations for you. Do not send me work past five o'clock. And if you do, send me a reason why it has to get done today. And, you know, it can't wait till tomorrow. Uh, and then I will be charging overtime for the hours work past that, you know. So then obviously that that conversation didn't go my way. My manager wasn't thrilled. Um, but no, nah, I mean, I, I definitely did kind of lock in on that, though. I just I just worked for nine to five um, and and close my laptop I wasn't going to be sitting there messing with them and you know part of it it was just like and, and a lot of corporate jobs are like this people just create this artificial rush you know um but like this was a project that had been going for a year and a half and they really hadn't produced anything except some slides you know but it would be like they'd have me work on an 100 slide deck or you know just around 100 uh, like I don't remember the exact number and then, you know, in the meeting, like they're only going through four or five slots, you know, so it's like, what do we just do this for? You know, like, like it will be a Friday. They're like, oh, we need to create this net new deck. And it's just because it was it was an internal project working with the C-suite. So they just thought everything needed to be done quick. But it's like, listen, the C-suite's not going to look at these slots. <laughs> it's like, you know, just go wait till Monday. But yeah, it was just uh, it was a weird environment, and, and and not the whole thing was weird, you know. I, like definitely some some great coworkers that I had, um, like uh, that I've met. Like one one I saw a few weeks ago, like she was visiting the city, and like really cool people. Um, I was on a one project, learning to lead, right? You know, I met a ton of cool people that I've seen in real life too since then. Like even after I left Accenture, so definitely met some cool people. Um. And like I had, you know, projects that were cool, especially the learning to lead one, which was with a nonprofit. Um, but it was a uh, overall pretty bad experience <laughs> working for Accenture for sure. Um, but you know, take but take at least good out you of know too. you we, the silver line is they motivated you to like go after your own thing, and I think like that's pretty awesome to mm -hmm. like be brave enough to be like I'm gonna go and figure out how to sustain myself financially without having to be like have a boss that's someone else and i'm curious yeah. like how did you kind of go about figuring out like becoming an entrepreneur right out of college essentially in the middle of like a freaking pandemic that's still technically you know is she trailing on she trailing on yeah she, she's trailing on but she don't exist anymore for real <laughs> you know <laughs> we forgot her <laughs> but no I, I would say um yeah like the way the way it started i mean uh, my friend raheem reached out to me and this is back in i want to say september 2020 um and then you know he just he just told me uh that 
he told me about buying businesses. It sounded sounded like an amazing concept, you know. So I'm like, bro, we definitely got to do this. And then at that point, uh, you know, he's like, he's like, oh, cool. Like, you know, I didn't think people would be interested. And at the time, like a lot of people we would talk to, they weren't like they were like buy businesses. They're like, what are you even talking about? You know, like, but um, no. Then me, Raheem, uh, and then Mark and Zante, uh, the four of us, just you know, we started trying we started trying and so at that point we had no idea what we were doing you know um we're putting in terrible offer sheets for some of these businesses brokers are like yo y'all gotta get serious you know we didn't know about funding at the time so we didn't know we can get loans to acquire these we're trying to crowdsource we really had no idea and so it was kind of just uh like anything like anything you do is just getting started you know like you can get started and then just iterate so Finding podcasts on the topic, finding books on the topic, Buy Them Build was a great book um, by Walker Dybul that kind of broke it down. It's a little dry for sure, but definitely a great book um, as far as breaking down the concepts to you and really teaching you almost like a manual on how to do it. And then there's so much podcasts out there, like on the subject, so many other people doing this. Um, and I mean, like on Twitter, there's so many people that are that are doing this as well that are really responsive. Um, and you can just reach out to them and ask them questions. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's just one of those things you got to just get started, you know, and it, it definitely is a little challenging working with the banks, uh, trying to get funding, definitely challenging, but you know, once you, once you get it done, definitely, uh, definitely very rewarding. Yeah. I guess like, how did you go about like securing a loan when, you know, you're just out of college. They're like, what is your, you know, your capital to kind of assure that you're going to pay us back all this money? I guess like, did it help that there was like the four of you versus there being like one or two people? Yeah, of course. Having four of us was helpful. Um, but on the first loan, like uh, we wanted to protect all of ourselves as guarantors. Uh, well, so you have one guarantor for the loan, right? Or you can have, you can have, uh, or you need a guarantor for the loan, right? But um, you don't need everyone to be a guarantor. And the SBA, um, the SBA will give every person up to $5 million in funding. And so when we were first getting a loan, we were like, okay, we want as much um, access to these SBA funds as possible. And so we limited uh, the first one to just me being the guarantor so that, you know, in the future, we can still tap into more of, of that uh, funding because each person gets up to five. But it's like if two people are a guarantor and hypothetically the business costs a million dollars, then both those two people used up a million of the funding that they have available. So um, like having more people was helpful, yes, but it didn't necessarily change like the profile for the bank. So using SBA funding is really how we were able to get it done. Um, and so SBA funding, they're going to look at the financials of the business, you know, see if the business could pay them back. Um, like we didn't really, we don't have collateral. We don't have homes to put up. Um, we have cash in the bank. We can make our down payment. And then of course they're looking at our, you know, our personal financial statements. So how much money are we making? You know, what are our jobs? Um, that kind of thing. How much debt do we have? If any, how much, uh, income are we getting from what sources, you know, what's our credit scores, that kind of thing. But the SBA, um, by by guaranteeing the loans, they just help the banks be more comfortable. So that like if we were to default, 
um, the SBA would come in and then through the fees that we gave the SBA and that every person that uses an SBA loan gives the SBA, they're able to guarantee these loans so that, you know, if we defaulted, they could pay the bank back. So it just makes the bank more comfortable. But yeah, it was just, it was just uh, whenever we found about SBA funding, then kind of opened up a lot of doors for us. But uh, it was just something we had to learn about. I feel you. So I guess like, how did you go about finding a business to buy? Like, is this just you typing in Google businesses for sale or like you're going to like a specific uh, like dashboard for that type of endeavor? No, that's the thing. You definitely could just Google that, you know, um, there's brokerages the same way that there's brokerages, you know, to buy a home, there's brokerages to buy businesses. And so uh, we just found like a very reputable one. Um, and, and went from there. Uh, we were we were looking at a bunch of different brokerages at first, and then at one point we even sent out like mass emails to thousands of brokerages, uh, um, just using like a G, I think it's GMAS like extension, just sending out our criteria, seeing what came back. But that kind of wasn't as useful as just going with some of the top top brokers and looking through the the businesses they listed. Uh, but yeah, we found one we liked, like we liked the financials of the business. We liked the recurring revenue. Uh, we liked that it was simple, easy to understand asset light. So, uh, you know, there wasn't any tangible office space. There wasn't any equipment we needed, just, just people online basically. And so, yeah, from there we, we, uh, moved forward, got it under a letter of intent, um, and then, you know, just made it happen, did the diligence process. And it took a long, a lot longer than we thought it would to go through diligence and then, you know, get the funding squared away. But, you know, after after we acquired it, the business has ran very smooth. We've made some hires, too. Uh, it's, it's been a really cool process. That's super cool. I guess like so what is like your like what do you guys look at when you're thinking, OK, this is a business that we think is worth the investment? Yeah. So we're looking one, we want it to be asset light. We want it to be easy. So asset light, just like we don't want to buy a plant where you need to replace the machinery every so often. We don't want, you know, a physical location, that kind of thing. Uh, then, then you have, uh, we want it to be simple. We want to be able to explain it easily. You know, we don't want it to be something where you got to take a whole course to try to figure out what's going on here, like tons of different levers, tons of different stuff going on. We want it to be like very easy to explain the business. We want, um, you know, as much recurring revenue as possible. So even if it's not growing at like a crazy rate, we want, you know, everything to be repeatable. So we want, you know, the income to be locked in um, over long periods of time, if possible. Uh, we want as much of the money to be recurring uh, versus, you know, one-off payments as possible, uh, that sort of thing. And then, you know, some low-hanging fruit, of course, too, is, is always beneficial. So with our first website, uh, with our first business, the website hadn't been updated since 2008. And so, you know, we're almost done now with, uh, with the, like, refurbishing the website, uh, putting out a new site. And so that's just some low-hanging fruit to hopefully, you know, make some more money on the business. Uh, prices, obviously, we want, you know, a business that, could take a price raise so we could just get some more value out of it of course there um but yeah the biggest things asset light simple business uh with recurring revenue sweet so i guess like how many businesses have you guys purchased since you guys started doing this just 
Yep, just one. So we closed on our first one last October. We're still looking to make our second acquisition. So just looking now, uh, trying to find that second one. Sweet. And what is the like? What is the business that you guys are in? We we like to say we're in digital marketing, but the business does press release distribution. Um, and so if people want to get the word out about a product or service that they have, they can upload a press release to our site, and then we get it out to different endpoints. So Market Watch, Yahoo Finance. Fox News, Digital Journal, you know, different different uh, news, online news endpoints, we distribute it for them. Um, and so, you know, we just have different packages to different level endpoints, basically. Super cool. I guess, like, what was the most, like, challenging part of transitioning, like, into this kind of industry coming from, like, an engineering background? I don't think coming from an engineering background uh, was, like, like it inhibited us at all. Um, I don't think it really helped us per se. Actually, I do think, you know, engineers have a way that they go about solving problems, you know? Um, and so like testing hypotheses, uh, just having like a more structured way to approaching things. So I think that's always helpful. I um, mean, all of us are engineers, all four of us um, that, that we're doing this, but it's, uh, I don't think it helped or hurt us necessarily. All the information to do all this stuff is online or there's people out there with the information that are really happy to share uh, SMB Twitter. There's like a whole bunch of people that all the time they're tweeting about the acquisitions they're making. They're tweeting like, you know, you could reach out for help if you want. Like they're, they're all pretty open um, and it's cool. I mean, even, even uh, like one podcast I listen to um, a lot with you know some people doing this kind of thing is my first million and it's just crazy how accessible like some of these people are so i mean uh um sam parr who runs the my first million podcast i was just out you know working out brooklyn bridge park doing some pull-ups i was look over and like he's just doing some pull-ups i go talk to him you know and then uh ended up going to an event that he had in, in the city and stuff and you know you just meet a whole ton of people that are interested in the same same type of uh thing and you know, really, really just want to uh, all collaborate. So it's, it's cool. I agree. Like, I've been reading about this concept called Lee Ren, which is like this idea of like a humanist community where like people, like you said, people are more accessible than you think. And like, we're a lot closer to people. And if we just focus on like building our relationships and building our network, like you would be surprised at like the types of things you have access to that can just help you in like your journey, no matter what it is you know which is awesome awesome um but i'm curious because like chris you are a very interesting person just in terms of like like your perspective on life in general and like being someone who's trying to find the most efficient way i guess to just go about living your life in a very non like conventional just structured (laughs) nine to five way and Um, I'm curious, like, if you can just, like, talk a bit about this side of you, like, not the business focus, but, like, the, the person that's really, like, why you're even doing all of that work, you know, why are you even going about building businesses is to get this, mm-hmm. like, freedom, you know, that we're seeking yep. of, like, being able to just be free people. But I'm curious, yeah, can you can you speak on it? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I love the lifestyle. It's like, like, my days usually, you know, I'll wake up maybe go on a long bike ride, like maybe go for a run, do some yoga, like every single day, you know, I'm getting to exercise a ton, do a lot of yoga, eat well, um, you know, like cooking for myself and stuff. So it's just 
the lifestyle, the wellness piece of it. It's all amazing. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's what I'm chasing. Definitely freedom. So like last last winter, like uh, I was in the city, you know, and I was like, eh, I don't I don't really want to be cold. So I just went down to L.A. for January to April. And like it was amazing down there just being in the sun every day. That's actually where I got, you know, really, really into yoga too. Um, going to yoga on the bluffs. I don't know. I just like living life. Basically, I like, you know, hiking. I like just being outside, um, exercising. I love doing, you know, some some more intense workouts too. like like I want to be able to just pop on a 50 miler bike ride like if I want to. And it's just not something you could do if all your time is getting sucked up by a job, you know. So yeah, facts. facts. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think I think, yeah, for me, it really is freedom to just like uh, like right now I can I can pick up what I want to pick up. So I'm doing Spanish lessons every day, like, you know, um, but like every day. So hour long lessons with teachers, with other students and stuff online. And it's like, you know, it's cool. It's just it's fun. I could pick up uh, like hobbies. I could pick up uh, new skills and stuff. I just have the time to do pretty much whatever I want in the day. So it's a uh, it's definitely definitely a really cool, cool uh, way to live and I'm excited to keep living like it, really. I feel that. I feel that. I feel like it's that ultimate goal of just being able to be a free person and not have it be so predictable, like what you have to do every day, but able to kind of just go with the flow and experience what there is to experience. I'm curious, like, I remember when you went on that road trip, like how many of like the national parks did you end up stopping in on your way from like Michigan to Washington? Um, the first road trip to the one I took with Deontay and Mike, I hit like Rocky Mountain National Park, Arches in Utah, Zion, Bryce Canyon, um, and then Redwood. And then, so I think that was, yeah, that was five. Then we got up to Seattle. Um, and then we went to Glacier on the way back. So that was six. So then. Uh, and then we had like a lot of state parks in Oregon. Uh, we had some state parks in Washington too when we were out there. Um, and then uh, hit some state parks in like in like California as well. A lot of California was on fire though during our road trip, so <laughs> couldn't really do too much there. But um, yeah, that was a that was an awesome awesome trip. About three weeks on the road, you know. And then I actually when I was going back from LA this time too. I I stopped at all the other Utah parks that I didn't get to see. So I went, uh, I left, so I went, I went out, well, first from LA, I went down to like Carlsbad, hung out with some friends there for, for like a week. And then Carlsbad is awesome. It's like between San Diego and LA, absolutely beautiful, like chill beach vibes. You know, you could be on a hike though, quick, like awesome, awesome spot. Then I drove up the coastal highway to uh to to the bay like where charles um where, where my friend charles is and then stayed with him and you know just sleeping sleeping in like the walmart parking lot and stuff on the way up the coastal highway awesome vibes you know like just beautiful scenery all the time um and then driving back i took the loneliest road in america to great basin national park and highly recommend great basin it's kind of out the way so they really don't have that many visitors every year um, but it's, uh, it's like, um, I forget the word for like a starry night, 
something i forget what the, the word for it but it's like one of the best places to see stars so you could like see the galaxy oh, is it or... like one of those like dead zones where like there's no yep. light pollution oh that's lit yeah yeah it's like one of those it's called the loneliest road in america and the internet kind of gassed it i thought it was going to be nobody out there but like it was other cars you know like i would see people like every 15 20 minutes so so like there was still other people coming by but but yeah that that park was cool camped out there next day went over to um to uh capitol reef in utah then capitol reef i went to canyonlands national park uh the next day and canyonlands absolutely crazy sky you're looking up you can see like the milky way uh absolutely insane did a hike like that day by myself out there you know um and then yeah it was just took some you know had some portobellos too and it just uh <laughs> really really enjoyed the day out there by myself it was it was insane i'm dying <laughs> <laughs> portobellos sure sure Portobello. Um, I mean, I feel like like you obviously love the outdoors and you're a psycho in terms of like you do some of the most craziest shit, like not as prepared as one should be, but you do it anyways. And like you're so, I guess, like brave in this way or like have this, you know, confidence to be able to just go out there and just enjoy it. I'm curious, like, how do you go about just like overcoming fear in like those instances of exploring things that are new um especially i feel like because like i don't know different people like will not even go out into nature for whatever reason or not visit yeah. you know the national parks that america has and they're some of the greatest assets america has um and it's such a shame um because like fear will stop them or they're like oh it's dirty or there's some a bear might eat me you know which almost happened to you guys in that you know in in that one instance um but you still go out there and do it anyways so i'm curious like how like where does that drive or this like love for nature come from yeah no i mean nature's just it's amazing like i feel like Everyone that hates on it just hasn't really been out there that much, you know. You couldn't like go see those views and then not want to get out there more, you know. So it's like, I think that's one part of it. And then two, I, I don't know. I just, I just kind of, I like being on the extreme side better than, <laughs> you know, like, like just not. I guess you know. So, um, I would say that. I mean, it's like. It's like, uh, I just like doing things that are hard, I guess, you know? So like, like I remember when Will asked me to go in that, like the 40 miler, you know, like he said, he said, Y'all are crazy, bro. A, he, crazy. he was like, you trying to go on a bike ride? I'm like, yeah, let's ride some bikes. I pull up. He's like, all right, we're going to bike to Livonia. I'm like, Livonia, <laughs> 40 miles. Like, but you know, you just got to say, fuck it and just hop on a bike and start. And I mean, now, like now I've been doing 50 milers, like every two weeks you know so like you just got to start somewhere and then it gets easier but i just i don't know i just like doing some things that are extreme i feel like you get better stories when when uh you try and you definitely stuff. have stories to tell i mean are you like thinking <laughs> long term to like because i know you're trying to get into sort of the content creation space as well mm -hmm. i guess like yeah what have you thought about telling like the story of chris lee because i feel like yeah you're definitely one of those people that is be out there trying to live and experience and grow um yeah. and it's awesome to see and i think it can be very you know inspirational especially to other minorities that don't have like the privilege of getting those experiences or thinking that that's something that is within their culture even you know yeah 
Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely, I definitely want to tell some stories. I, for the longest time, I've like kind of muddled over it. I really just got to turn the mic on and just tell some stories and see how it goes, you know, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, I want to get them out there. Um, yeah. You know what? I've been thinking about the medium too long. I got to just start recording them, you know? I gotta exactly. Start like literally with everything else you've done, you just jump in and figure it out, right? So it's no different. Yeah. It's literally no different. Like like you said, it will naturally evolve and grow because that's what all things do. You know, they change with yeah. time. So it's just like getting the first episode out there, getting the first clip. I mean, your TikToks aren't even bad. Like, they're pretty awesome of, like, just that New York vibe. I guess, like, how have you been enjoying living in Brooklyn? Honestly, like, that's one of my, like, I love New York. Like, I, I, oh, I love it so yeah. much. Like, yeah, so New nice. York. New York is amazing. I love living in Brooklyn. I mean, just hopping on my bike too, uh, like, right over to Brooklyn Bridge, like, uh, Brooklyn Bridge Park or, right over to Greenpoint, you know, right Long Island City over in Queens. Just like, I'm, I'm a big park guy, you know, so I'll just be riding around, riding around my bike. Um, love the summer out here. Just amazing vibes. And I love that there's just so much to do. It's like, you know, I mean, you remember at college, it's like maybe, you know, you might pregame and, and you know a bunch of people in college. So there's a lot of moves in college too. But for the most part, it's buckets. It's like, all right, you could be like at a, like a kickback at someone's house. You could be at the bars or you could be at like a house party, you know, but for the most part, like the kickbacks and they're always fun, but it's you and your friends, you know, your friends, like it's the same people all the time. Like, and then like the, um, the bars, similar crowd at the bars too. Like it's a very similar vibe. Like if you go to Rick's, they're going to be playing the same music every Thursday, you know, like, so I would say the crazy thing about New York is just like you really just don't know how you're how you're what you're gonna get into. You know, so like yesterday, yesterday, um uh met up I met up with uh so so Kamari, uh, one of my friends from Michigan, had reached out. He he had sent me an event. So I pulled up there and like it was like me, him, and then two of my friends from Jersey, you know. So like uh and then we pulled up there. From there, you know, like it was a cool vibe, met some people there. And then went to like, like uh, my friend Johnny told us about this like little house party. So we went there and that was in Brooklyn. Like that was also in Brooklyn. So we went from like Bushwick over to like, I think it was like Prospect Lefferts or something like that. You know, just a different neighborhood, completely different vibe, like completely different people, like much smaller, like function, you know, just inside someone's apartment kind of thing. Met some people there. Then we went to like the city, like went to Manhattan. And we were just like on a rooftop with like crazy views of the Empire State Building, a whole like Manhattan skyline, great music, like a lot more people too. It was like a rooftop. It was just like, there's such different vibes and, you know, you could really just be outside and just experience a ton of different things. Um, and I'd say it's like, like people say it's an expensive city, you know, but it really just depends on what you're doing. Like yesterday, the first event I went to, like, I just didn't get there before six. So I had to pay 10 bucks to get in, you know, and then like, but the other two things were just, you know, they're just people throwing parties. So I didn't have to pay anything. Like every Monday I go to free yoga, like over in the waterfront, like there's a bunch of free stuff you could get into. Like just riding your bike around is free, you know, just soaking in the vibe, like going to the parks is free. So it's like, people get caught up. Like, yeah, you could spend a lot of money here. You definitely, it's like, not could it's easy to spend a lot of money here you know if, if you're like you're going outside on those types of on those types of times but 
yeah, you you could also just find free stuff that's that's like equally as fun too. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's a great note to add because I do think a lot of people will be like, "Here's this dude that's hella privileged and living in you know New York City is balling, living the life." But you're like, no, like there's things you can do on a budget and still have that great experience. You just have to look for it, and it might take a little extra work, but hey, it's worth it in the end. Because like I can imagine yoga like on the you said the water. Yeah, I go to like Long Island City, so it's in Queens, and then you get the whole uh the whole Manhattan um the whole Manhattan skyline, like from from the Queens side, so over the river, and then it's just like the sun setting over the buildings. It's at like seven o'clock on Mondays. Absolutely beautiful, like amazing vibe. They got this field over there in the park where like everyone just does yoga. And do you know what yeah. type of like yoga you guys are doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a normal vinyasa flow. Oh, lit! Yeah, no, I I love I love hatha and vinyasa. Like, I yeah. preach it from the mountaintop. What got you into yoga then? Like, when? Like, how? What was your first exposure to that? First exposure to yoga. I feel like one of my friends. She had me go to a core power class out in like Seattle, like uh that summer I was out there and, and core power was fire, but that it was tough. I mean, core power, hot yoga, like they, they got your core going crazy. Like it's definitely tough shaking, you know, but, um, so that was my first experience. And then during the pandemic, I was like, you know, I got a whole lot of time on my hands, especially classes went pass fail. And at that point I looked at, you know, all my classes and saw, okay, in everything except one class, I already have enough points to get a passing grade, even if I didn't hand in another assignment. So I just stopped handing in assignments and like, except for that one class. So I had time. I had real, real time, like even before class got out. So I started doing uh, yoga with the down dog app. And then like, that was fire. Just, I really loved and loved doing that. And then I kind of fell off with it uh, when I went, you know, back, back to Jersey um fell off and then like when I was traveling around like I lived in like Austin uh LA San Diego and Denver and I definitely wasn't yeah I was falling off when I did that all the first times the second time I went back to LA though I found out about this uh thing yoga on the bluffs and it's down in Long Beach absolutely amazing right on the water like you're in this elevated park and it's just the water like the sun's glistening off of it every single day at 11 for free so then like incredible vibes you just you can't have a bad day after you go there uh and so i just i just got into it like me and me and mike would go all the time uh and so like we would just go to yoga then we go to the, they have the farmer's market across the street get some like fresh pressed juices and stuff like I and I, I was just vibes yeah, I, <laughs> vibes absolute vibes so then then but then like we couldn't drive down to Long Beach all the time, you know? So I would do the app sometimes too. I was probably doing yoga like four, three, four days a week when I was out in LA. But then I got back here and I was like, yeah, I love yoga. Like, so then I just started, um, love have you heard, of cl- you heard of class so pass? Uh, is it, I think I've heard of it, but I don't think I've ever done them myself. Yeah. Class pass is awesome. It's like you pay, I, I don't know, like 60 bucks a month, something like that. And then you get credits to use at different classes. And so then uh, I'll go on to like, I don't even know, 
probably somewhere like 10 to 15 yoga studios out here in Brooklyn, like just uh, just using the credits from ClassPass. And it's been dope, like tons of different types of flows, you know, uh, like uh, mostly vinyasa and hatha, but but like ton of different types of flows. I've done some, I went to one like yin um kind uh, yin of like, is so yeah, good yeah, i'm yeah. doing that later I, literally after this yeah <laughs> i love yin flows when, when i'm on the app i usually do the yin flows just melt so into good. everything oh yeah. so good so mm-hmm. good yeah i went to one it was like in nadira like like we just you know half sleep <laughs> in class like but um it was yeah i mean it's been awesome i, I love like the different vibes of different studios too because it's like you know, some I'll pull up and like people are mad friendly, you know, everyone's kind of talking, it's a community. Uh, and then they'll have us do some like really crazy skill building. I've, it's been funny that I feel like the most talkative um, groups is always like, the studios where they're like, like they're teaching you to do a handstand or like they're really getting you into some poses. Like they're trying to get you into that eagle, you know, like, uh, but um and then there's, you know, like Y7 or core power, that kind of thing. People are kind of getting in and out. But again, like everyone's just sweating it out. Like it's a great vibe. You just can't have a bad day when you just do some yoga. I so it's know. Like- I'm telling you, it is like the cure. Like I'm low key. It makes so much sense because like yoga is like the, the science of life and like of movement. Mm-hmm. And it's like supposed to be this thing, or at least I look at it as like not only a workout, but it's like aligning your body, you know, like in this like because you're doing all these like patterns of movement which to me is like a form of sacred geometry the way that we move our bodies and like every time you do it it's like healing like you're healing your body you're building strength you're building heat and you're training the mind and it's like amazing like i i I can't say that enough like yoga every oh if there's one thing i could recommend to the entire planet it would be like i wish our culture just like every morning we started the day with like a morning salutation of like a hatha series or something like how could you be upset after that like i just i don't see it after a nice savasana just under the sun like it's it's incredible it's meditative it's just like yeah, you can't you can't have a bad day, and then you're less injury prone too. You know, like your body just feels better. Like you just literally feel better all the time. Yeah, I I, I love it. Crack. That's what I say. Yoga is literally <laughs> yeah. like movement. Crack. It's so good. Like highly recommend. Um, but I'm curious. I have all the states that you've lived in. Which were the ones that I think like really made an impression on you, or did they all sort of like have their mark? that you will always oh. like have fondness <laughs> oh yeah nah they all got their chapter you know like they're all they're all great um i would say yes everything's just so different you know um like i loved like austin austin i still say i think that's probably the most fun like nightlife city in the country and not to say you can't have a better night out in other places like new york you could have a crazy night out of, of course but like just you know pound for pound like austin you just you, you don't even need to find moves you just go down to you go down to uh rainy you go down to um to uh 6th street you know it's just like the moves are just there you know everyone's real fun like all the places are cool um so i, I loved austin and i love it too it's like it's texas but you get out there on the lake you get out there on a hike like in some mountains hills type things you know like it's 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 a lot to do out there um 
that you wouldn't think. You just think of Texas as being flat, you know, but Austin has some some scenery too. So I, I love it there. I mean, Denver, I love the hiking near Denver. Um, unfortunately, I had like a little concussion when I went out that way from, from when I was golfing in Austin. But uh, <laughs> like... If y'all only knew the story behind the concussion, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> you just make it this thing. Like, I had a concussion. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It got hit in the head by a, by a golf ball. <laughs> Ridiculous. But, uh, but yeah, when I was in Denver, so the first few weeks, you know, it's like not as active, but definitely getting on hikes. Love it out there. There's tons of nature stuff to do, do out that way. Good golf, too. Um, Texas was also good golf. I liked it out there. And then, I mean, L.A., San Diego, just Southern California in general. I mean, L.A., I like L.A., right? But Southern California, I'll say more broadly because, you know, San Diego and Carlsbad, got it. Those are just – it's sublime. It's beautiful vibes. The sun is shining. Like, you could be on a hike or the beach in the same day, you know? Like, uh, like I remember one day we went um, from snowboarding, like, to the beach – you know, like we were in the morning, we were snowboarding and then like we got back and then we're, you know, sunset for the beach. That elevation, so, microclimate, I swear. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's insane. So like like LA, we were going on hikes four days a week, three, four days a week. We're going on a hike. You know, it's just it's it's, it's beautiful scenery down there. I love the proximity. Um, Seattle, I wish I would have had a car when I lived out there, you know, like because because we went on some hikes for sure but like like um that summer out there you know like it like uh it's just it's beautiful it seattle hit in the summer it, it hit different, different. Yeah. especially with that when mount rainier is peeking out oh my gosh you'd be like am yeah. i in switzerland like what oh, yeah. is this like it's gorgeous oh, yeah. absolutely, absolutely stunning gorgeous. and of course like everything has you know like is pros and cons like LA, the traffic is nutty, you know, like in Seattle, it was like Seattle in the summer is awesome, but like nightlife is mid, if mid, if mid, you know, like, and then, and then, uh, like, so it's, everything has its pros and cons, but, but yeah, not all, all awesome places to live. And it's like, I feel like, you know, while we're young, you should move around, like experience different places, see what you really like, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But not even just within America. I'm trying to start to figure out how do we we live abroad, like That's, trying to do that extended vacay in Bali, you know what I mean? Or just like facts. living off of Phuket and just, you know, try, we go to Fiji, we, we check out Tahiti, like like what's the move? Um, That's about to go live in, in Colombia from like January to April, I think. So I'm going to try lit. it out. Lit. I'm curious, like, for people that, like, hear your story and they're like, I want to be like this dude. I want to be able to just be able to set up my day how I want and be able to secure income for myself and just be able to travel and experience life, which I think is what everybody really wants. Like, when people work, it's really just to have the money to do the things that they want. I guess, like, what advice would you give them just knowing, like, you are also that person that was trying to find a way out of like this nine to five cycle and like cultivate a path without really like mm -hmm. having a clear roadmap. It's not like you had someone that was like, here you go, Chris, yeah. this is exactly what you have to do. Um, what advice would you have for them? Just like, just like on that journey of that, even just taking that first step or that leap of faith to just give it a shot. 
Yeah, I would say just like figure out what you place value on, you know? So it's like when I when I first got back, like when I was starting at Accenture, I was living at home, you know? And so I was just stacking at first. Like I'm not I wasn't spending I'm not spending money on meals. My mom's cooking, you know? I'm not spending money on rent at first. So September to September to uh and really I could say I was getting unemployment that whole summer too. So I was living out in Michigan and I was spending money. I was like going golfing and stuff, but, um, and like food I had to pay for and, and rent, but it was getting covered by unemployment. So by the time I get back to, to, uh, Jersey, like I could just stack the whole paycheck. Um, and so it's about what you place value on. Like I was just literally not spending money saving up. And so then even by the time I go and live in these different places, like if I go live in Southern California for a month. I'm paying the same thing that I would have spent on rent, like at a long-term Airbnb anyway. And then like, I'm trying not to spend too much on rent. So I know a lot of people, like they'll look at apartments, you know, like I've talked to a lot of my peers in the city and they're like, oh yeah, you can't find a spot for less than 2000. And I'm like, I mean, my spot's 900 a month each, you know, it's like, like a lot of my friends are like, no, nah, you got to spend 2000 each for like, you like like a four thousand dollar two bedroom or something you know people are spending crazy amounts on rent and i was just like if you value that you know if you value having that much much nicer apartment that much more than like the extra freedom then like yeah go with that but you know if you want to have some flexibility to travel or you know if you want to you know quit your job or not have your job then yeah just you know find some concessions find some ways that you can save a little bit um having this flexible flexible like kind of uh rent up until now too was so helpful like so this apartment we signed a, a year-long lease and it's 900 a month three bedroom so 2700 a month but like uh before this we were in like month-to-month spots like even our last landlord in new york it was 1200 a month huge apartment and it's like we could literally stay as long as we wanted month to month so it was just you know this stuff is out there. You just got to look and make the concession if you want to. So I'd say kind of just paint what you want it to look like, you know, because like, yeah, if you don't like your job, just don't stay in it. It's not serving you, you know? So it's like, but you know, at the same time, I'd say figure out what you can learn while you're there, you know, of course, figure out like how you can get better. But like, you know, if you're hating it, you're hating your days, don't hate your days, <laughs> you know, just change them, change them. Like, Don't figure, take the Xanax, out. choose freedom. <laughs> yeah, choose, choose freedom, like choose, choose what you want to do with your day. You know, it's like you only got one of these and there is no like real rules, you know, like we kind of make up all of these. So it's like you just got to you just got to figure out what's going to put a smile on your face today and then, you know, go with that and then like make some concessions if they're concessions that you want to make, you know, like I'm not the type to want to go out and spend a lot like on drinks, you know, like I actually recently stopped drinking, but, um, but like even before I stopped drinking, I was the type on a pregame, I'm not spending these 17 money in these $17 drinks. You know, I hated that. Um, like dinner, I'm not the type to go out to like a $50 spot. Like, I'm gonna go to the, you know, the $20 spot, like just a nice meal. Like I don't need crazy, a crazy, you know, formal thing. Um, so it's all about what you want to spend your money on. Um, and so that's, that's one thing I would say, cause like right now 
it's not like like I'm not balling. Like like the like my life looks fun for sure, and it is fun. It's mad fun, but it's not expensive. You know, like I be riding my bike around. I go to free events, like um, or you know the events I'm going to, they're not they're not really costing too much more than like twenty. I got great friends too. Like you know my friends will bring me to some events too. Like like the Knicks game, my friend my friend got those tickets and stuff. Like uh like when Curry broke the record, so. It was just some stuff like I'm just lucky to have great friends and, you know, lucky to be around great people. But for the most part, like I'm managing the money that I have well so that I can, you know, do what I want to do. But it's not like like I'm not out here balling. It's not a lot coming. I think like what it is is like you've cultivated to some degree, like very good Lee Ren. It's like this idea of like you really built relationships with people that are fruitful um, in just the way that you can do a bunch of things together like sometimes you guys support one another in different ways and as a result you get yeah. to live the experiences that are like you said what you value most because you sacrifice for that and i think that's awesome to kind of just like balance it out for people to understand like i think like sometimes even on like the ground people will get like this misperception of what people's lives are but like they don't understand there's so many layers to it that allow you to have that and it's just something to keep in mind you know 